wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning. Hey. Hello, Happy Friday, everybody. everyone. Happy Friday. Yeah. I got to make an announcement right off the top. Oh. On this day, July 7th. 2019. It, this, this is like what young people do, but I was feel the this. first day that I met this woman. We had our first mm-hmm. date, July uh-huh. 7th, 2019. Mm-hmm. So we're actually returning tonight to, to the scene of the crime. The scene of the crime, <laughs> we'll call it. <laughs> so. um, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was a pivotal day. So we kind of, that's, that's more of a celebration for us yeah. than our actual anniversary yeah a wedding anniversary because it's yeah, like it's fairly private i mean i'm not planning to broadcast live our date tonight so yeah, yeah. It's kind of a private thing, so. <laughs> sorry i know you yeah. all were you know wanting to like yeah yeah um but yeah, yeah it's uh, obviously had a huge impact <laughs> in my life and for the Me better and so, trajectory yeah. changed yeah for it's, sure that's pretty awesome yeah. outstanding um, okay, okay, so Friday. we got to talk business. Yeah, we got to got... talk Friday. Uh, yeah, and uh, August 1st. August 1st. Um, we got the information out there. Yeah. BHPHNationTV.com. You self register. You can see the agenda mm-hmm. there. Or go to um, Eventbrite, too. It's it, That's where the links on BHPHNationTV will take you. Right. So, um, yeah, those that's it's live. It's ready to ready to we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, we do have this at uh, the September event. What other mm-hmm. announcements do we have? Um, I think that's it. We got some fun stuff lined up. Um, yeah. Benjamin Clifford is going to join us uh, in the coming weeks to talk about cash flow. We're probably going to record that as a uh, um, August event. Sounds awesome. Yeah, Thank that's going to be a good. One. Thank you, Karen. Uh, yeah, it is definitely going to be a lot of rich information. Mm-hmm. But- Anyway, Benjamin's going to join us about cash flow. We're probably going to record that as a tote the note podcast, and then Benjamin mm-hmm. will come on the morning show when we have that recorded, ready to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, hi, George and Scottsdale, mm-hmm. glad to have you tuned in this morning. Well, yeah, we got uh, an important subject for today. Kind of stirred up a, a, a lot of conversation. It was interesting to me. I, yeah. you know, uh, Jim put a poll out there about, um, you know, what priorities. In the, in service, the department. service department. And um, I mean, a lot of response and um, I just, I, it, it kind of, it kind of surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, Michelle and I are quite mm-hmm. clear when we meet new clients that we're not probably your advisors when it comes to service department especially efficiencies in your service department knowing as, what to as, pay a, tax. as like in the weeds of a service department yeah. but as part of an operational thing well that's what i think of this is really it's part yes. of operational flow this question today is really operational flow it's around because mm-hmm. all dealers are wrestling with this at some level it's you know almost all mm-hmm. dealers are fighting recon to get cars through a pipeline they're all dealing with customer repairs at some level. Most are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't believe we have very many dealers out there anymore saying it's as is, it's, it's your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably well, I mean, as is, no support. Right, right. Yes. It's your responsibility. Because um, there yeah. are plenty of dealers out there that are as is, but they offer support. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for those who didn't see the lead in, I mean, we're, we're talking today about how to make the, mm-hmm. how do you make the decision in terms of prioritizing work coming through the shop in terms of um, customer repairs versus recon. So, you know, we're not here to 
present any one idea over the other, but we are mm -hmm. here to kind of break down the, the considerations, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, what are the things to, to look at as you contemplate that, that decision? And I can also tell you that Michelle and I have worked with clients who come from all different sizes, on spectrums, been doing it for decades. Some have new. done it for decades yeah. and decided to get out of it. So the best thing that they've ever done. Mm -hmm. Some of our dealers out there don't have a service department, never have, never will. Yeah. Um, we have some that love it. Yeah. Some, yeah, some love just it. love it. And yeah, and some of our, you know, we've been working with clients more recently, people who come from the service background, like mm -hmm. they, they kind of were service first mm -hmm. and, and added the auto sales side. So, you know, there's definitely um, a variety mm -hmm. of approaches out there when it comes to this thing. So I think for today, the idea was just to start to break down some of these things and, and look at how do we make that judgment, which by the way, might just show first the chart. Oh, okay. Uh, that this is the results as of this morning on that poll. And maybe we just talk about that part first to just show. So hopefully you can read that. Again, that was as of this morning. I only put this particular poll in the Facebook uh, success group. And I want to say the count was somewhere approaching 70 as of this morning. And I just mm -hmm. did percentages yeah. on this. Yeah. So what I'm seeing here, too, is about uh, about one out of 10 don't have a shop. Right. So predominantly the people that responded to the the um, survey or to the poll mm -hmm. have a shop in house. Yep. And then um, then you kind of go into what is the split from the shop? Right. I mean, if you have a shop. Sure. And um, so it was 14, 14 percent is uh, both. Right. Um, have, they have a split shop. I yeah. mean, they have some lifts dedicated to customer work and some lifts mm -hmm. dedicated to recon. Yeah. And then those that are like their primary priority, primary focus on is on recon that, and I'm not wearing my glasses today. Is that 6%? Um, I think it's a 6%. Okay. 6%. Yep. Yep. And then the, the, um, there was another, just 1%. Mm -hmm. So, yep. um, but 70% prioritize customer work over recon work. Yeah. Which I find mm -hmm. really interesting. And on, on the one hand, not surprising. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, we had somebody chime in and say, your, your, your current customer is your best customer, right? Which yes. no argument there. Jack. And by the way, this yeah. whole conversation, mm -hmm. there's nothing we're going to say today that would should suggest to anyone that we're not about customer service and get oh, customers gosh, happy yeah. quickly. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so let's put that aside. Mm -hmm. That's nothing that we're well, going to say Well, I mean, today. I would hope that everyone would I hope yeah, people I, know that. I mean, yeah. we're, we're not, we're, there's nothing that we're going to suggest that mm -hmm. is about, you know, putting customers on the back burner. So I think as we talk about this and we had some really interesting conversations with some clients recently um, over the past month um, where we, uh, suggested an alternative approach and they got downright excited. You can pull that down. Yeah. yeah. They got downright excited about it just because mm -hmm. they're, they're dealing with a lot of internal struggles and bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I, yeah, I think the stress level was something that when we introduced an alternative approach, yeah. then they got really excited about it, at least in their operation, yeah. it made sense for them. And, you know, there, most dealers like we like what we're seeing is most dealerships have a shop of some kind whether it be on site or off site or whatever and um 
you know, we've, like we said, we've seen a lot. We've seen the gamut. We've seen the big ones. We've seen the small ones. We've seen the not ones. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's a, there's a few things that I, um, uh, if you're okay with me kind of diving a little bit into, um, the shop it's well, first off, and I, and I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong in my perception about this. One is, is that the, the, the personality type and the HR kind of stuff that happens within a dealership. It's like, there's, there's like, you've got your, your, um, your collector, collection, collectors, goodness gracious, your salespeople, the admin kind of stuff, and then your shop. And with most people that we've talked to, the shop is almost like a different world. It's, and, and there's, there's a different dynamic a lot of times. And, and, um, uh, I think that the biggest thing is most techs are not people, people. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, they're not customer facing. And Mm -hmm. so it's a really different kind of dynamic. So, you know, if you, uh, just on how you how you relate to the customer. So, in shops that we've we've um, worked with, where they've removed customer work and then had it become just all recon, the the techs like it because they don't have to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of you know bigger yeah. operation would have a service advisor, yeah. Or service yeah. writer out and front so hopefully you do if you've got that, that someone that can do both that can talk to people and talk to techs. They're bilingual. Kind I think of thing. most yeah. of our listeners on the broadcast yeah. are people who kind of, you know, tune into this stuff are more likely to be your smaller, newer operations mm-hmm. who are facing that decision one day. Yeah. And so I'm always mindful of that when we talk about these kind of things yeah. is like, these are the things to think about mm-hmm. as you move toward, you know, doing service. And again, almost all of our clients, everybody we work with, almost even brand new, you're doing service somewhere. It's only a question whether you're doing it internally in your own shop or whether you're Mm -hmm. outsourcing it, you know, to a local outfit. But, you know, I think the question really becomes, and I think as you start to break this down, and as I've done this with clients recently, we really have to look at, and I mapped it for a client recently on on paper and just kind of, they were, you know, kind of aware suddenly that, you know, there there are going to be, constraints in your process mm-hmm. typically. So really, if we're as a buy here, pay here operation, if we're trying to produce as much sales and revenue as we can, let's assume that for a minute that mm-hmm. we we're looking to produce sales. So we don't have a capital limitation. Let's rule some things. So up. yeah. Okay. We have ample no capital. capital. We can, let's assume we can buy enough cars, which, you know, with enough capital, we can buy enough cars, right? So we can find them from all over the country, whatever. So we let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's eliminate those as constraints. Now, if we determine that we can we can create enough marketing, we're successful mm-hmm. enough in our marketing to create enough lead flow, and our, we have enough people on staff, and we have enough training for them to be able mm-hmm. to close enough loans. So what remains? We have the dollars, we have the inventory, we have the team that can sell them. Now, if I ask mm-hmm. you then, if you have those things and you're selling below your capacity, which we just talked about, sales capacity, uh, what, Monday? Um, so when we think, think about sales capacity, like what are the constraints? And if part of the answer comes back as, well, we can't recondition enough cars because Mm -hmm. we have more of our lifts tied up and our techs tied up on customer work, then let's hold the phone a minute. Mm -hmm. If we're limiting sales, 
because we're doing recon work. And maybe before we go any further, I can tell you. In my own you're, career, you're limiting sales because you don't have the support for recon is what you're kind of saying. I'm simply saying you cannot mm -hmm. recondition enough cars, regardless okay. of what the limitation is. You cannot recondition enough cars. So let's talk about how we could recondition more cars, mm -hmm. you know? And so obviously what you can see from the graph is that a whole lot of our people are tying up lifts with customer work. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I think we also understand that why would we stifle sales? Why would we limit sales you can capacity? Still, you can still really beautifully and elegantly support your customer without the customer putting their car on your lift. Again, there's mm -hmm. nothing I'm going to say. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure, like if I'm a mm -hmm. dealer executing on whatever mm -hmm. things we talk about here, it's going to be about happy customers. I'm yes. going to be certainly hustling to make yeah. sure my customers are happy because, you know, it's absolutely right. That customer is the most important customer. It's, we don't need to be selling more cars if we're just letting them, you know, fall off the back end because of mechanical problems and charge-offs and repos. That, that's not the kind of business I would recommend for anybody. We want to make sure we save as many of the accounts as we can. Mechanical would be a big part of that. So we definitely want to take care of the customers promptly. Yes. So that's a given for me. Now it's a question of, if we're limiting our sales capacity, our sales volume, then that's a very real cost that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's an opportunity cost. We're missing some sales because we're tied up in customer repairs. And while that may be appropriate, I would just suggest that among the things we could look at would be to look and, and let's back up a minute. Like, we're, we're a car dealership. We're a buy here, pay here lot. Mm -hmm. We have a sales department. Sometimes we have a service department, but we certainly have a finance and collection department. So if I think about this in the context of a, a used car transaction, take it out of buy here, pay here for a minute. You and I go buy a used car and we finance it at a credit union. A so credit what happens okay. after we, we buy the car, we have some relationship with the dealership. We have some relationship and the dealership might promise them some kind of warranty. After the warranty expires, when the cars are making a funny noise, do we call the credit union? Do you, I mean, if you need a loan, you'd call a credit union. If you need a loan mm -hmm. for repairs, you might go to your credit card or whatever. You get some financial help. But it's really a question for me. It becomes, this starts to become about separating sales from financing. And we we are in the sales business at the end of the day. Yes, we're in the collections and finance business. We're But we we have to continue to produce contracts in order for our business to grow and our portfolio sustain size or hopefully grow. Again, that's just capital. So if we rule out capital, then now the question is, if we're missing sales, then why couldn't we look at outsourcing? Going to make some people nervous here. Let's talk about <laughs> outsourcing the customer repairs because my real interest is in getting a customer happy quickly. And so I can do that financially and not bring the car back into my own shop. So, so, you know, I, I think let's, I'm going to think about this person who's new and is going to face this decision down the line. If I'm participating financially, yes, we certainly get the math. If I'm going to pay, I'm just pick some numbers. If the labor rate across town at my buddy's shop is $80 and I, my internal rate is $60 or you know, you could say I'm paying myself. So that's money, obviously. Yeah, obviously we want to keep that money in our pocket. Mm -hmm. I think where this gets, and you haven't seen this part so much, Michelle, but like 
We see this a lot like when we're working with a dealer who's a buy here, pay here and a franchise operation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the franchise operation will dictate to the buy here, pay here a lot that you have to bring your cars. And even sometimes they bring the customer's cars back in. They want all the work to go through their service department. Why? Because they have people are trying to satisfy at the quotas. national level. Yeah. They have quotas yeah. and they have, they're trying to, yeah. you know, make sure their department is profitable. So they're going to mm -hmm. force the work through their own service mm -hmm. department. Well, I think the thing that starts to happen for me when I look at that is one, we've, we've suggested let's don't do that. That's mm -hmm. because we're really talking about a consumer who is struggling already financially for the most part. Now we're going to put expensive repairs on them somehow. Yes. You can internalize it. If you, you, it's expensive for the body, for the, buy here, pay your lot to pay the labor rate at the new car store on their own recon. Mm -hmm. But that's out of one pocket mm -hmm. into the other. If you're the dealer, say, sometimes the dealer says, I'm doing it. Just, you know, get used to it. I'm doing it. Like mm -hmm. it's going to, I'm going to pay myself for the labor. But I think it's, that's okay. That's a financial matter. That's just a dollars and cents matter, but there's more things to consider. So you and I talked through this this morning. It's mm -hmm. like, when I look at this overall, I think, okay, well, what about, what about the stress on our team? Mm-hmm. What about the pressure that it puts on our system? Obviously, we touched on already the missed sales, and that's a very real cost mm -hmm. to us. When we have the capital to produce those sales and we're, we're not doing it because of other restraints, then that's the real cost to us. And I, one of the things we talked about this morning that I was like, just human nature, just human nature. Um, you know, you, let's say, uh, as the dealer you're doing sales to, and so you're in, in the middle of talking to someone and getting, you know, you're, you're doing your job here and then someone comes in and has to pull you away from what it is that you're, you're there to do and they're pulling you away. And it, can you take care of this right now in the middle of, of doing you know, they're in a rhythm and a job, how disruptive that is mm -hmm. and how, um, how frustrating. It, it frustrating. And that's what, a, that's what I see in a lot of shops happen is that the, 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 um, people in the shop, especially if they're doing recon, it's like, I'm in a rhythm. I know what I'm doing. I'm in a rhythm. I'm in a rhythm. Hey, Joe, can you take a look at this real fast? Mm -hmm. And so it's like out of rhythm, go out and do the thing. It It's, I mean. Well, sometimes it's more than that. They may want yeah. to stop a job that is mm -hmm. waiting for parts. Parts will be there first thing in the morning. And now we have to pull a car off the lift that doesn't have all of its parts. It doesn't run. Now we got to move it outside and try to take care of a customer repair this afternoon instead. So while mm -hmm. we certainly want our lifts to be efficient, we can see the problem that creates for the tech and just general yeah. internal efficiencies. Again, yeah. Michelle and I aren't trying to be advisors on, internal efficiencies in the shop, but it's yeah. just a business matter. It's just, you yeah. look at it from a business matter and say, that's not a good flow. You know, that's, that's inefficient flow. And, and it's, it's also, you know, um, I'll, I'm going to, I'm not speaking for you on this okay. one, but like, <laughs> if you've got people that are recon shop people, keep them on recon shop, keep, keep them on the recon, um, as, as much as you can. And then if you have, you know, we do a lot of customer work that there are customer shop people and there are recon shop people. That can work. I just still think the question um, is if, if we, so I'm going to take on the situation where we got a split shop. Let's say just, you got 12, you got a big service department. You got six, six, uh, lifts for service or customer service and customer repairs and six lifts for recon. Well, that's fine. 
And if the recon, the six lifts can turn out the cars fast enough that that's, that's not limiting our sales, mm -hmm. then there's nothing more to talk about. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, exactly. We, it, we definitely want to. So do what we're really here to talk about is, is there a constraint in sales due to your shop focusing heavily on customers? That's really the question mm -hmm. I think we have to break down is, you know, mm -hmm. we can all say we want customers happy because we all do. There's ways of doing it. And, yeah, and why do we have to say that? And that means I have to accept less sales. That's my problem is from mm -hmm. a business standpoint, is I just say, I think we, we need to recognize the cost to us when we produce sales that are below our capacity, whether that's dollars, team, whatever our capacity might be, when we're producing sales below that level, then that's, that becomes a concern for me. And it's something that I have to bring to attention of the dealer. And I think, again, if you can produce all the cars and recon them fast enough and, and produce your capacity on sales, fine. Nothing more to talk about there. And, and, and certainly we take care of customers and maybe your recon is so efficient that you got lifts free and you can bring in more customer work. I'm simply suggesting when that's not the case, and I'll just tell a story about a dealer that we worked with a, a month or so ago. And I shared with them this idea of what if we just kept our techs on recon? What, what does that look like? Well, now the nature of retail is you don't know what customer is going to walk in the door and apply for an app, you know, do an application for a car. We also don't know which car is going to break down next on the customer side. So we're always going to be at the mercy of things coming in off the street. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we, if we keep our techs free for reconditioning our inventory and keep our lot full, now we just participate in the others financially. And that's an uncomfortable thing for some people to think about. You mean I'm going to pay somebody else's shop the labor rate? Um, yeah. You're, and you'll be able to easily afford that because you produce 10% more sales mm -hmm. or 20% more sales. And we're able to get the customers happy more quickly. Like that's the other thing about the headache factor. What about those situations where your customer's calling you? Because all of these shops tell us, you tell the customer it's going to be Friday, they're still calling you on Wednesday and Thursday. Is car ready yet? Is car ready yet? Right. That's that's actually a whole nother um, uh, show that we yeah. were we were about um, customer relations in um, from a shop. So and one of the big yeah. things I talk about in business in general is look the, the nature the nature of business can be that there are going to be stresses. Mm -hmm. The nature of buy here pay here means probably a few more stresses. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have stresses. Let's not create our own. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not create situations where we're bringing, we're applying pressure to our team and to our operation when it's avoidable. Mm -hmm. And okay. so I, you know, I think it kind of, it does go boils back down to if your shop is a constraint to sales, then you need to, I mean, relook at that, that balance of who takes priority. Yeah. If, if it's not a problem and things are running smoothly and you've got all the inventory that you need and there's, there's no, there's, it's like, I don't, I don't want to, um, I, yeah, we're able to handle where I want to go, what my goals are, where, where we're headed. Yeah. And then, uh, virtually yeah. everybody I've worked with mm -hmm. dealers, they tell me you make your money when you buy the car. So that's, that's also got to extend to reconditioning. You buy it well, you recondition it well, you have a lot of quality control. That's going to have a positive impact on, on the operation overall and total efficiency. So I think what, what I'm generally suggesting is that, and this will make sense for some and not others, but if volume is stunted, we have the means otherwise to produce that volume. 
then I would look at when your shop is full and the recon is, is in flow, you don't have text free that we would just send that work elsewhere. And we would quickly get the car to another shop and keep in mind, I did this with a dealership for three years. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about doing something. I don't know exactly how it works. It's like you send the car to the, the customer chooses the shop. We just participate financially. Let's get that thing repaired. And so, if, and that, that can be done, whether it's a side note or whether it's a service contract or warranty, you get the car to another shop and mm -hmm. you pay a little higher price to get the car turned out for the customer. And oh, by the way, if it's not done right, or there's a delay, that's between the tech or that's between the shop and the customer. So it doesn't have to involve us. It doesn't create stresses mm -hmm. on our team. That's between the shop and the customer. We're just participating financially. We're happy to help. Mm -hmm. We might, you know, work for that deductible or whatever that looks like or negotiate for half and we're gonna finance half or whatever that part looks like. But really I'm saying, have the repairs done elsewhere so that the customer can get back on the road as quickly as possible. And I can keep my recon pipeline moving. So that's the big thing is like, for me is like, I don't want to scavenge my sales process. You know, I don't want to mm -hmm. have to cannibalize. You don't have to. Yeah. The sales yeah. process in order to get the customers happy. So again, everything I'm talking about is meant to be in the interest of let's make customers happy. Absolutely. Let's get them back on the road as quickly as possible. We all understand the impact of not doing that. So, Let's just look at what's the quickest way to turn that around. And so, yes, we might end up spending a little bit more by going outside and we'll miss that service income, but we, we have enough income. So this is part I was, was just really suggesting people have to analyze. If, if we paid $20, $30, $40 an hour more elsewhere to get work done, and yes, the money leaves the operation, what does that look like compared to selling an extra three, five, 10 cars a month, whatever those numbers look like in an mm -hmm. operation, what's that look like? And so I think we just have to be prepared to do that math. And, and, and sometimes we're reconditioning cars just as a matter of control. You know, we want the service work. We want to have control over the quality and that's understandable to an extent, but when our control causes us to limit our sales, then this is really the big thing for me you're hearing is that we, we have to be careful about, stunting our sales and not producing. So I'm just generally, I'm going to be in favor of keep that recon pipeline going and hit, hit sales capacity. If we've got the capital, we've got the ability to acquire the inventory. We've got the team that's trained up and we've got the leads flowing through our marketing process. Let's keep that at capacity and let's be prepared to send some of the customer work elsewhere, get those customers happy, write those checks quickly you know, get, get them on back on the road and whatever else can be done. But it's simply it's, it's something to examine. It's a business matter more than it's a service department matter in my mind. So mm -hmm. it's really a financial slash business matter. And so I think this is the part that, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had a chance to introduce. Uh, we know, look, text can be, it can be hard to find texts. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be even harder to keep texts if we frustrate them. <laughs> by, you know, pulling them from one thing to another. So these are all things that I think we have to be prepared to, to really look at. And so just, you know, let's, let's be careful not to create our own frustrations and own let's pressures. recognize, mm -hmm. yeah, let's recognize the headache factor mm -hmm. and let's look at what that could look like if we, if we can increase our sales capacity yeah. and still keep customers happy. And I, I would like to uh, just, uh, there's a, a dealer that we worked with a while ago that was having a lot of, um, pressures, uh, pretty decent sized, um, uh, 
shop and there were a lot of pressures because they were doing this juggling act between um, the the customer work and the recon work and and um, you know you may feel like well I don't have a choice or it's you know it's this is a this there there's all everything can be broken down and created something that that works better for you and you know we're just we're um, offering some suggestions for, you know, as to keep the strength of your business and keep it strong and keep it growing. And then there's ways of doing this so that, um, mm-hmm. uh, that you can still keep the, the customers very happy and, and, and in flow. And it, actually in this dealership that I was talking about where they were doing both, they did remove the customer work from their shop and then they um, brought in a person that was like a shop manager, but that actually helped facilitate all of the work for the customers with other shops. And mm-hmm. so there was a communication that this this person had with the different shops and they were coordinating. And the result of this was not only was the service department more happy, the dealer was more happy because there was less stress and the customers were happier. I'm sure I know who you're talking about. You're talking about a, a, a store that, you know, approaches a hundred sales a month and mm-hmm. uh, or an operation that approaches a hundred and, uh, and they again said, best thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. This is the dealer speaking like, you know, mm-hmm. so, so I think, you know, you just have to look at those things and make a judgment for yourself. Uh, like I say, we just to recap, we, we get it. You, 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 you save money by running the thing through your own shop. But my mm-hmm. question really is, that's, we know that's true. The question is at what price, what price do we pay to save those dollars? So it's just a question that we have to analyze it and, um, and so have to make that judgment about whether or not, you know, that, that constraint is, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, reducing our sales. And it's kind of like, you know, is, is it worth with a hundred cars a month? Is it worth a few grand a month to everyone's a lot happier and a lot more calm? It's probably more than a few grand, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I, it's just, yeah. and, and everyone is happier. Everyone's really a lot more calm. All of uh, the techs are happier. The, the, um, yeah, the yeah. customers are happier. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, we probably okay. covered that frontwards and backwards, but I think, uh, yeah, it's just all something that we, we know, you know, we, we had Brent Carmichael join us, which I'll try to remember to find yeah, that. Collect- we just, we were, well, I'm talking about the tote the note podcast that we did on sh- service department. Should I oh, have yeah. a shop or not? Yeah. And so the, Carmichael, you know, at the end of the thing, I'll just tell you, he said, if I were opening a dealership tomorrow, I'd have a shop, you know, I would have mm-hmm. a service department. So I think most would. Now it's just a question of how do we make a judgment, and, um, you know, whether we do mm-hmm. service work, I mean, I'm sorry, recon our own inventory or mm-hmm. custom repairs or some combination. And of both what, what the priority work. is. Yeah. Um, how do you make that priority? So, and so, all right. Wrap up. What else? We go start focusing on celebrating the anniversary yeah we got so. some stuff to go do yeah. Yeah, we got some um, other meetings happy today, friday so. everybody i hope you all have a great uh weekend it's um it's warm out there almost all across the, the u.s and so enjoy the weather send in your suggestions for the next topics yeah what do you want us to yeah. talk about yeah mm-hmm. absolutely we we do listen don't tell us we're gonna make stuff <laughs> up so that's always that's yeah, we'll find not that. always bad There's but always yeah all right guys have a great day thanks again so much all for right. joining us we'll talk to you on monday <laughs>